you know, this big mental health crisis um, is one thing, you know, just the stress and strain and uncertainty of all this, of people's lives and communities just getting blown up, you know. And then two, the other thing that's happened is just this explosion. I just read an article right now um, before this um, of how 2020 was the top year in history in gun sales. Mm -hmm. 23 million guns were sold in the United States, an all-time record. Um, and 20, like, know, the thing that this also tells me, you know, and others is this isn't about something that police are doing or not doing. Like, this isn't a policing problem. You know, some like to say that, oh, you know, COVID or, or uh, you know, protests against police or things like that made police pull back and, and you know, deep, the de-policing narrative. And I don't, I don't buy that. A lot of criminologists don't buy that because if, if that was the case, why did, why didn't, why didn't burglary go up? You know, why didn't robbery go up? Why didn't uh, simple assault go up? Why didn't um, car theft go up? You know, if it's something that police are doing, then why didn't all crime go up? You know, why would... That's, that's always, it's always the, that's the, always the easiest answer. You know, the, and there's this widespread perception, but, you know, most of what affects crime rates is not due to the criminal justice system. You know, it's about communities and institutions and the economy and opportunities and things like that. Um, and social control, you know, social bonds, um, things like that. So, you know, and by the time that, you know, the police get called to us, there's a deterrent impact of, you know, police being seen and police presence, but you know, most of the average public thinks that the opposite. They think, well, the criminal justice system is the main thing that causes crime to go up or down. Mm. And they know what they see on TV and they know that what's in the news and they know what politicians say. And they always, you know, most of, many, many politicians always the first thing they do is talk about police or the criminal justice system or getting tough, you know, and th that's just, that's always, and what I meant by aggravating the other problems is, you know, that, that kind of thinking is how we got stop and frisk. And it's how we got, you know, the gang task forces in Los Angeles, you know, that, that like just basically produce police contact and that's their job. And that's how we got the school to prison pipeline and, you know, that's, that's the, you know, that's the unwanted consequences of just. And criminology, Rob Sampson, of course, at Harvard, um, you know, it all, it points to communities, 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 and the resources of the communities mm -hmm. and, you know, jobs and schools and community institutions, um, one of which is made them have more resources and things for kids to do and more programs for them to get involved in, you would have a lot of impact on, you know, youth, 
youth delinquency and later crime and gangs and all kinds of things, you, you know, and there's just tons of criminology that shows that. Um, you know, that's, I mean, that's the, if I, if I only had one magic thing that I could do in a community, you know, in a city, in a county, in a, you know, neighborhood. Um, and this, this goes for rural and urban too. Like the number one thing I would do is, is just focus on the schools. One thing about New York, just to give you a little synopsis, especially with some of the things that you pointed is, you know, New York, as we all know on the call, is going through a housing crisis. You know, we had a housing crisis before, but it's getting even worse now through without COVID in terms of stable housing and affordable housing. Um, our community organizations is definitely another key piece. You know, we're struggling. It's always been a struggle for our community organizations and nonprofits to find funding, um, especially when we have an exacerbated um, economy, and that's not a main focus in the government. When we focus more so on policing and things like you said, you know, we, we tend to focus more on criminal justice aspects of it rather than the community aspects of it, which prevent it. Um, so, you know, we're not seeing a strong, a strong amount of funding and a strong amount of support for community organizations. Education article just came out in the New York um, Times about how they're actually severely decreasing public education in New York because a lot of you are doing private schools. So public education, but even though it decreased last year, it's decreasing substantially um, within the next few years. What are your initial thoughts or what are your suggestions dealing with that crisis coupled with what we're seeing now going on in the city? Well, all that, that sounds really unfortunate. I mean, you know, that sounds like, that sounds like doing the same old things, you know, the same old things that, that we did in the eighties and nineties and, 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 and again, you know, I know, I mean, few things are more political than crime and, and criminal justice. Um, and few things are more misunderstood by the public. Everything you said sounds like the opposite direction of what, of what, you know, what would be the implications of, of what criminologists would, would say, you know, the housing, you know, like, I mean, at the risk of sounding like I'm oversimplifying things, but the simple, I mean, people get wrapped up in the criminal justice system when they don't have what they need to live, mm. you know, and that when they don't have a place to be and they don't have, you know, places to get an education, they don't have an education and, you know, that, that leads to you know, when you see communities anywhere that where those things are true, where people don't get their needs met, the needs of life and the needs of social um, opportunity, then you have crime. Um, and that's true in rural Pennsylvania or Los Angeles or London or New York, you know. Um, and so when you make it harder for people to get 
what they need and you make it more harder for schools to like provide good education and activities and opportunities and counseling um, for students, for kids, you know, you're going to pay for that. Like that one way or another, I mean, you know. Obama um, was passing um, the, the, his laws uh, back when I was incarcerated. Um, a lot of the prison staff was not for it, right? And, and they were blatantly talking amongst each other and you could hear them, well, you know, that's not gonna happen or we're not gonna allow that to happen because if they have this constant mentality that it's them against those who are incarcerated, it's us against you and we're gonna punish you. Mm -hmm. I've been through that. Up north, police not feeding me. But what Jeffrey said, that's what I had in my mind the whole time. I was like, they're not gonna defeat me. They're not gonna, they're trying to take my soul. They're not they, so see, this is what I think about us being out here and knowing that and being an advocate for that type of people in there, right? Because we know the energy, we know it's they they doing bad. I was up to seven years, they do bad all day. Commissary, they don't let you go to commissary because you might've said something and you know, Peter paid for Paul, but that doesn't help people coming back and rehabilitating. Like back in the day when criminal justice reform was very bipartisan and both parties agreed with criminal justice reform. Why? Because the people said prisons are bad and locking people in a cage and making them mentally unstable mm. isn't good. Um, but now it's interesting because now we're seeing the people are more so shifting because the rise in crime. But as Professor mentioned, you know, we're taught to see the rise in crime as a fault within the system. So since we see this, it's like now, you know, politicians are kind of swaying, the people are swaying away from the reforms because they think the reforms um, they think that the system, you know, is the thing that causes incarceration when really it's the reforms that help it. Um, so really, when we galvanize, and I'll say activists, when we galvanize the people and we have, you know, the people, whether that's the activists as the people or the general public say like, no, we want our more investments in our community. We want more housing, we want more programs because these are the things that help our community and help the crime rates. Um, then we're stronger when we do that. But, you know, when we have our community members and say like, no, we need more police because we feel unsafe. Um, and that's the narrative, then that's how it's way. So I definitely say like when we have organizations use a research, like, you know, professor, like your organization who does research, phenomenal research, by the way, um, in New York, you know, I think like, that's how we touch the, the politicians when we are able to touch the people. Yeah, and get them to an example of this, exactly what you're talking about. You know, the cash bail reform. I know that was big in New York, you know. Um, there's not a shred of evidence anywhere that like revoke like getting rid of cash bail increases crime mm. like it just doesn't um all it does is is stop disadvantaging people with money without money you know but you know with the crime you know the the traditional criminal justice is everything the first thing they came after was cash bail oh you know this is putting criminals on you know it's not it didn't put because you know you know um all you did was keep the the misdemeanor person in jail because he or she couldn't pay ten thousand dollars you know um cash bail doesn't 
affect crime at all. Um, and there's lots of research on that, but you know, still. I was an organizer for, 2019 was a really historic year for us in New York. Um, I was an organizer for bail reform and housing. And we wow. got some of our biggest, we got some of our biggest wins. And then now yeah. to see how housing is acting, we got seven of our nine housing bills passed. And now what we're seeing with That's housing, great. how New York City now yeah. just voted to increase um, lease renewals up to, I think, like 5%. And then all the rollbacks on bail and all of that. And we showed them all of the data. So yeah. me being incarcerated for six years, I'm one of the one of the one of a million coming home and having a mind like this. Mm -hmm. All my friends went back to jail within months. I've been home seven years. Mm -hmm. Right? Wow. Within months, my friends wow. went right yeah. back. Me being incarcerated for six years and understanding that rehabilitation does work. And that's yeah. what, you know, that's what if we're going to jail, we're supposed to be rehabilitated. And that comes with part of being re-entered back into society. The mentality of the masses uh, to rehabilitate themselves and to do better and to change, um, just like the folks on the street in the communities who are struggling to get, get into the schools, who are struggling to eat, who are struggling to survive, um, um, and to get uh, what they need daily um, in order to keep themselves on a straight and narrow part and not be forced to do some wrong or heinous stuff uh, to survive. Um, you know, we need to uh, give them the support uh, that they need um, mentally and educationally uh, to keep them on that part. But here's the problem. How do you convince them to change and to stop what they're doing, stop making these bad and or wrong decisions that would land you in these folks prison system where they could just make money off of you. How do you convince them to do that if you can't convince the folks who run the system to stop doing the bad and the wrongs that they do, right? Uh, you know, uh, that continues to perpetuate um, the, the hurt 